Diva Carla Grail as Fortuity Sports Centre on Scarab Bay Community Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome once again to the Sports Centre Show here on Scarab Bay Community Radio in association with Dirk Credit Union on the 88.3 and 92.7 FM and on the TuneIn apps. And today's, on today's show, I'm joined as always by co-presenter Pat McNamara. And on today's show, we're going to have a review of the activities of the last week and a quick look forward maybe to what's coming up in the near future, plus a look at the All-Star nominations that were named uh, during the week. And uh, first of all, I'm going to be, as Pat is here with us, he's going to talk about the rugby in Paris last weekend. And we're going to be joined later on by well-known local journalist Owen Brennan as we digest the GA activities. And first of all, Pat, I, I can't remember what the French is for welcome back, but look at far to your uh, bien, uh, Bienvenue, I think. Good man. <laughs> Pat, what a weekend of sport, and I suppose one of the iconic sporting moments in Irish history will go down for many, many a long time. And of course, Scarif Bay News Radio sent you out to, to cover, cover the game at a cost out of your own pocket, let us be yet. <laughs> but uh, Pat, what an occasion. Yeah, Leo, you know, I, when I got the offer of going with, with uh, Keir, my own Keir, and Keir, a few a few months back now, I kind of hummed and hard, but I was never as glad. I said, yes, after a few days, yeah, we'll, we'll go and just do it. Um, yeah, it was just exceptional, uh, the whole thing. If you never went into the game, the atmosphere around Paris was fantastic. Uh, the day before and the morning, or the because the game was late, nine o'clock over there, so it long Saturday as well. We arrived Friday, and uh, there was headies everywhere and, and patricias, all over every street in Paris. Do you know? And uh, every cafe, every bar, and uh, you always knew where the patios were. There was big pints of, of beer. Whereas in the other tables, where you had other ones, you had coffee and you had little little, 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 little things. <laughs> yeah, but um, I know it was fantastic, and the banter was great. The atmosphere, the build-up was massive, and we all knew. I suppose everybody in the world knew that follows rugby in any shape or form. That this game was going to be a one-score difference. You know, the two top teams in the world probably, and uh, obviously the Ireland's uh, maybe failures before in the World Cup was always playing on some people's minds a little bit, including my own. But uh, it was just an amazing atmosphere. Uh, really teak tough game, um, and I suppose if there was one thing that stood out for all of us watching in the stadium was the Irish defence was absolutely out of this world. There's no doubt they were heroic and, you know, they were living on their fingernails, Pet, to be honest, but there was a lot of... But their tackling and, and discipline was unreal. Now, it's obviously, the, the penalty kicks that they were given away were, you know, I suppose that was over-exuberance and I suppose maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i wrong, but maybe maybe had taken a chance once or twice and given away the penalty, given the way that South Africa kickers were kicking. I think the referee was kind of lack was 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 loose enough in terms of not pinging Ireland all the time. Maybe New Zealand or sorry South Africa as well in the lineout. But I suppose it, it balanced itself out. I suppose the kicks they missed were guaranteed. I suppose maybe was there, was there seven points missed three and three eight well eight nine, nine, about, nine, nine eleven eleven yeah, points yeah yeah to an extent then. Ireland's missed throws on their line. If they were got, I think we'd have mauled at least once. We would surely try. have mauled one, one mauled try got. Um, they cancelled one another out, right? I, I think they did. Yeah. Now, the kicks, you say, were sure, more sure points than the line-ups we missed. But um, having said that, you know, it's shocking. We were our heads in our, uh, our hands, our head in our hands watching. And look at, a lot of people have absolved Kelleher from, from full blame because I thought he had a good game enough and I suppose part of it was the, the New Zealand's there was a, a, a closing the gap between the there was supposed to be a metre there but I think they were closing it quite early and it's a bit as a massive guy and they're lifting very high so he was getting up there but we were just we were scalded in the, just watching on live anyway I don't know what it was like on TV but 
nevertheless, the other thing that lifted everybody in was when it's a bit was pouring through and James Lowe comes in and lifts him up. And I think Van der Fleer and I don't know, was it Porter and a few more came in and held him up and turned the ball over. Massive, massive moment in the game as well. So things like that can give us a massive lift. And to see Johnny Sexton less than so long, you know, as well, we, we can really feel secure when he's there somehow, you know. So, uh, But it was about the defence and both defences, I suppose you could say. But uh, that last play, Leo, we weren't too far from, but we were at that end of the field, but we were over the other corner. And uh, I really thought there was a penalty. To, was it a penalty to South Africa, Pat? No, they collapsed the ball. I don't know. You probably know better watching TV. And I've looked at it since, and he didn't seem to be any Irish like purposely went down. But what I found out was you learned the, the rules of the laws in rugby, the call of the game every day. I thought that was clear that the scrum half, the, the substitute scrum half, was getting the ball out of that last mall. But the rule or the law says in rugby that once the mall collapses, the ball must be made, uh, available immediately. immediately yeah. And it took three or four, I think him three or four seconds, and by the time it came out, he'd blown the whistle. And it seems by rule he was right. Yeah. I thought we got a big favour there, but again, we're not, we weren't close enough to the action, but that's when the place erupted, and I think it was relief and joy and Fields of Ethan Ryan and Zombie sang and the whole shebang. So zombie, zombie got a great play. Anyway. It, 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 it did, yeah, for sure. But it was about, about the 30,000 officially, I think there had to be Forty to 50,000 Irish people there. See, the Irish people living in Europe and Brussels yeah. and Britain and all over the place who wouldn't have been flown through Dublin Airport or whatever, or Cork, or maybe there was even a flight from Shen, I think, or two. Um, but it was just massive, the amount of, of Irish jerseys everywhere. And the sound in the stadium. Again, it was one of those magic moments. I, I've said to a few people since, I never felt uh, like it in a stadium since 2013. After the, the, the we beat Cork in the in the in the Ireland final, it was just that. Same You've taken game. away a question I was going to ask you about in about five minutes' time, Pat. <laughs> exactly ten years ago today. Yeah, or this week. I this week. Say. Yeah, yeah. Like looking at the Irish team, Pat. Obviously, okay. The line notes. Kelleher didn't get his death right, but no. there was circumstances, and as, as you said, the referee was. And it seems course, that and they Johnny, were allowed Johnny, to interfere with our jumping. Yeah, and Johnny Sexton did. Interview him at once and said he was giving him on, on rocks that he was kind of telling him to move away that he was kind of coaching him yeah. and fair point and I think it was a big a big point to, uh, the referee thought about that towards into the game too subconsciously in his mind was there. Yeah, yeah. but I thought the introduction of obviously Sheehan was going to come in yeah. you know soon the so, world class player yeah right Herring would have been this, obviously the third hooker yeah his starts haven't been too bad in the World Cup, I think, you know. So was it the wrong option? As it turned out, it probably was. Um, the scrum half, give me some power. Obviously, I'm not totally enamoured by the man anyway, right? Yeah. You know, he's the best. But I don't know, does he, in defence, they just seem to break him a bit, a bit easily. Murray brought an awful lot of stability I there, I thought. One, I of his real, one of his really better games, I thought. I thought at the first breakdown, Conor Murray was going to slow it to get the ball off his head. So, God... We're going to slow things down, but as the game went on, his value to the team became clearer in that last 20 25 minutes. I think his defensive play, first of all, he's a presence there, yeah. you know. And as time went on, I thought his passes, his, his passing got quicker, seemed to get quick, yeah. And I just thought that as well. No, again, when you're looking from one end, we, we had very we were very close to the pitch, we were down at um, I think as TV looked at it, we were in the the left near corner flag area, we're about four seats back from the corner flag, but there's a blue area space there, so you're not that close to the action. So you'd be following the far up end on the screen. Yeah, see what okay. was happening. So you probably saw as clear as we did. 
So basically, what we saw best was the atmosphere and, and as simple that. But obviously, when the, when the when the play was near, it's just fascinating to see the size of South Africa. Though you know, whereas the Irish big men are big men, we also have some lads who aren't too big. But every South African, apart from Faf de Klerk, looks like a giant. And uh, maybe the wingers aren't that massive, but um, their backs, I thought, never got going. Even though they did play the ball through the line a bit, up through the hands a bit. Our def- I, I just thought our defence was absolutely well, that was crash monumental. Ball, that was crash ball look. It was, that's true, yeah. Didn't they use any great great subtlety now, in fairness, and uh, plenty of aerial kicks as well, which Keenan dealt with fairly well. And, uh, but I, I just thought the likes of Aki and, Aki and, 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 and the centres just really, apart from one or two, when it, you're going to concede an odd line break to the, to the world champions who are now back to their best form again. So, uh, But overall, you know... There was times when I thought we were going to concede. There were times in the first half when we almost scored within inches of the line two or three times. Keenan was close, I know. I know. I think Johnny was close as well. And uh, it, I think just watching it live again, you kind of see when you can see all around, you see how hard it is to make how hard it is to make three yards in rugby. Yeah. To talk about twenty-three, you know. Yeah. It's very hard. There's always guys closing in, always at that level. And Pat, looking at it, you know, from from where we were obviously at home watching it, but. To me, you know this offside line, right? Yeah. Does this line materialise at all? It's because let's, it just seemed it just seemed to be up long Stop. before the the, mind, the back foot is my my, my, my granny. But it's, but a, long, it's a long way back. Like. While the refs twist around for a second to watch the ball, they're gone. They're gone. There's, a, there's at least a yard taken. Yeah. By the time the out half probably has it and is going to give it to the first or second centre, they're up with, in his face straight yeah. away. You know, and that goes for all sides. Yeah. Just South Africa. I mean, Irish aren't aren't exactly shy about it either, but. I suppose with the fitness of teams and the speed of them and the power of them now, uh, you'd have an awful lot of penalties if you were going to call it all of them. The but whole, that's where yeah. the assistant refs should come in. They have yeah. a great view of it. And that's what if it's being once or twice, you know? Maybe it's looking, shown. I, you didn't see it on the television, but obviously you've seen it since the, the pictures of um, Fell and O'Connell at half time. And it yeah. seems that Fell gave him a good eight and at half time. Obviously, what was, you know. And I know it was pressure, but the malfunction of the line... Yeah, that's the third... I mean, that's a common theme now lately. And we thought that with the first two games, Romania and Tonga, that they were kind of hiding their things up their sleeve, and that's why it wasn't going right and that they would produce it. But there is an issue there, uh, whether it is the throwers, whether it is the jumpers, whether it is the calls, whether it is the timing. Has James Ryan gone off farm, Pet? Yes, I would say he has. Good and tight... Tackling hard. Because Henderson seemed to make a huge difference it in the on. I think James Ryan has gone back from the farm of two or three, four, four. When he came on the scene first, I think he played 20 games without losing right. between Leinster and Ireland, yeah. 25 or so. Yeah, he was was. Beaten, yeah. And he looked like the most outstanding prospect in the, in, the, in the world at that stage for a second row. Now, just like we said about Tony Kelly, how would he give up those standards all the time? Yeah. I still think in the tight he's pretty solid. I mean, our scrum generally quite solid again again the top pack against the beast yeah, at the, be- the, the, the beast, beast and, 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 and the squad and the bob squad yeah but uh, yeah he's just isn't, he's just not as done and maybe as someone else said during the week you know why wasn't he in the refs or about the ref about the as the leader of the pack say, about the, the, the infringements of the line out of the, of the South Africans stepping in and closing the gap you know and maybe O'Mahony as well no O'Mahony is a warrior there's no question about it I mean, he's still in the thick of the action. He's still able to play for practically, not, if not 80 minutes, close enough to it. I'd say, I'd say he's, he's just a um, force of nature, really. But uh, look at if South Africa would have a couple of points, it, it wouldn't take anything from the Irish display because, in fairness, they could have just, they could have just one more. If that ball came out with the last mall 
uh, slightly faster and they got over. I'm sure they'd have probably drawn or beaten us. Yeah. But a draw might even have been a fair result. But we have the win now, which means yeah, Scotland, the Scotland game is everything now. The great thing is they have the break uh, because I think they'll be very hard to get down in time from the high of the South Africa game and prepare for Scotland and prepare for Scotland who are a serious enough side yeah. on his face facts. and play well against Ireland five in the world or something and they play well against Ireland Pat. and they play well against Ireland and they have a savage set of backs you know including Finn Russell who can do anything who can do, who can do anything you know so he's, he's a loose cannon um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see will he pick uh, he can go with the main team again with one or two changes or will he bring in major changes I couldn't see him bringing no way will he bring in seven or eight changes not when there's still, point, not when there's still points in the board things at stake yeah. yeah but um after the game, I'd say we spent 45 minutes in the stadium and it looked like five, it seemed like five minutes. And everyone did. I saw hardly everyone going out. Uh, pictures and selfies and all kinds of things going on. But um, it certainly was just one of those moments that you wouldn't forget in sport anyway. And I certainly won't. I was just really glad to be there. And Pat, what was the South African support like after the game? Were they gracious? Because they're not, they're not the most enamoured with Funnily the enough, rather than... I, we, weren't, we were near a bunch, a little enough near a bunch... But they seemed to be kind of more silent than anything else. So there wasn't anyone, obviously, complaining about the referee or anything like that. On the way out, they were kind of trying to sing a bit to the fields of Athen Rye, but not, not any great and gusto. gusto. And more of them had their lips sealed, and you know they were obviously feeling... This. But I also think, in the back of a lot of their minds, was there's going to be another day here. Yeah. And who will have learned most? Well, guarantee you, if you lose a game that close, and you're world champions, they will f- figure out that they'll learn an awful lot from the game. And that Ireland maybe played to our very, very best peak and, and who knows. But I'd say they weren't too down over it. Down enough and disappointed, obviously, because they're, they're, they're probably mentality. expecting that they're going to around again. If you know they believe in this team, that this team is going to is going to win. It's and they're still, in, the, and she's still in the Royal Hens anyway. And the only thing is if they have France, that'll be some, 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 some battle. That's, that's that'll look like the wheel. It'll be some amazing battle altogether. Hopefully, they've run out of steam by the time if we're still there. But yeah, but I wouldn't moment. be able to make enough comment on the on the on. Now, in fairness, I think the next day, as we were kind of gather up around the place and, and thinking of coming back to the airport, uh, then a few that were hanging around were say, you know, were kind of friendly and swaving and say, well done and all this, and might see you again, being, you know, yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah, does not already has the has the. The cows marked, I'd say. Oh, no, so uh, there's an awful lot of rugby yet to go and an awful lot of tense moments, I'd say, left in this. But, uh, or, you know, look with injuries. Conan now is back, it seems, ready for action. And uh, how we got through that game with our two or three lads having serious injuries. There's a bad incident where Ox steps down on the fingers of... Oh, yeah. The, no, we didn't see it live it at seemed, all. It I've seemed, seen it yeah. since And, and there's been nothing about it. Nothing at all. Because it looks totally deliberate. Yeah. He does, yeah. The fact that uh, I suppose Ben Affleck didn't make a meal of it and just got on, maybe he wasn't injured, but it certainly did not look good. Can let you go, Bundyeki. What a beast! Unbelievable. Seeing him around with two kids afterwards and uh, just so relaxed, so happy. He's a beast, but his form has just come through the wind roof. Fair play to Connacht. Fair play to Connacht rugby for giving him the break, to giving him a break. They, <laughs> they, they know more than we did. <laughs> in the backside or whatever it was, but uh, he's, abs- he's he's a force of nature, and I mean. I suppose I know Hanson as well, finishing and low. You know, we have a few, uh, you know, lads who have naturalised Irish. Immersed themselves in the culture, yeah. It's the same in the soccer team, it's the same in a lot of other. It's the same in the GA, you know, you have lads playing who weren't natives because they, they've come to live in a place, and uh, I, I'm nothing against that. But, uh, you know, those three lads have added so much to it. But Bundyaki, Bundyaki's farm of late has been just through the roof, and uh, he's some, some. He, he takes such watching now for the opposition, is that he, he does open up gaps, I think, for the others even. But there is no doubt, Pat, that, you know, going into the World Cup, people didn't think he was even going to be on the team. Yeah. Now they have to set up their team even different. 
Yes. He has that extra dimension. And different pair of Hinshaw, yeah. Like, and Hinshaw seems only a pale shadow of himself. Oh, I, no, I th- but he will come. Hinshaw might feature him a good bit in this yet because as the games take their toll and Injuries, they get tougher, yeah. you know, yeah. And maybe even far, maybe maybe ring, maybe it'll be there you're playing again when Ringrose mightn't be the man who might be Hinshaw you want to throw his body in there and being very physical. You know, I mean, if you're Hinshaw and Aki together, even though... I don't know. I don't know how to work in terms of of moving the ball, but certainly in terms of tackling and, and physicality, it'd be, it'd be to something be hard else. It would be something else, yeah. But uh, Pat, it's an occasion you've savoured. There's no doubt about that. Look at long live in the memory. We, I mean, where I I I I didn't ever go following Munster even to England or to Wales or France ever before abroad away. And the same with the Irish team. Lens on road quite a few times, but not. But uh, this is just an experience, and uh, as I said. I was kind of persuaded to come on, go, go while you have the chance. They, they, and, they uh, had to pull your hand out. <laughs> well, I did think about it now, as I said, it was kind of saying, is it worth all the hassle? But uh, uh, look what it was. It was definitely worth it. One of those big moments in sport. And uh, I suppose uh, to come back and read the papers in Sunday and Monday or you know, read all the stuff online about the game and how much it meant to people and, and how, how the people watching it, you know, it's just... It was just fantastic to be part of it, and uh, whatever it was, thirty thousand or forty thousand Irish people. I suppose for me to be one of them was just a big thing, and to represent the radio station, of course, Gareth Bay Community Radio in Paris, you know, and getting a chat with Jim there, and the, on the and giving us your your, your, your bit of Frankie. Yes, as well, and yeah. I have to say, I listened to your minor camogie final. I got the majority of it, even though it was a noisy place. We were kind of getting a bit to eat. I listened to Kevin with his interview with the Mills, and I listened to you then, of course, with the. Um, the White Gate, White Gate, Tulla game, and uh, I got a fair bit of that as well. So uh, it was great to hear Scarif Bay. I know no Paris isn't far away, but nevertheless, when you're abroad at all, uh, it's wonderful to hear. You know, local people. That knock James. Does, that, 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 that knock James the earlier has made a huge difference. <laughs> this, this crossing the channel now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hitting off the after three and bouncing down to down, down to the streets in Paris. <laughs> Pet as always. Look at very well. Thanks very much. For that. Yeah, happy to go again to represent the radio. By the way, to the uh, it's not the Scotland game. Happy to go <laughs> to the quarter final, lads. No bother at all. Anytime you've two thousand euros to spare, pet walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Thanks for that. And look at a yeah. most enjoyable occasion. And we look forward to the rest of the games uh, with great interest as the, the World Absolutely. Cup is really beginning to hot up. And now we change from the team of rugby to uh, more local matters and GA matters. And now we're going to be joined on the line by well-known local journalist Owen Brennan. You're listening to Sportsline on Scarif Bay Community Radio, 88.3 and 92.7 in East Clare, around the world on scarifbayradio.com and on the TuneIn radio app. Sportsline is sponsored by Derek Credit Union. Now, and as I said, we're going to be joined by Owen, and Owen is on the line. Owen Brennan, well-known local journalist. Owen, you're welcome once again to Scarif Bay Community Radio. Thanks, Leo. Um, Delighted to be on with you again. Good man. Owen, we're going to start with a, 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 the big ball. You know, there is a big interest in, in the football out this way. We, we don't have any football teams, but there is a genuine interest out in East Clare here with, with the football. And the football championship down to the semi-final stages this weekend. And what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, obviously it's not as exciting or open as the, the Hurling Championship has proven to be. Erog um, have been the outstanding team since the... Since the start of the year and since the last couple of years, to be totally honest, and I don't think that has changed, even though they did get a bit of a scare the last time out against Dora Bearfield, but I think that's only going to really only kind of poke the bear, really, rather than show any sign of weakness. Um, I think they just got caught, and sometimes, no matter what you say to lads, subconsciously, they think they have the game won before they go out in the field. And uh, maybe a rogue, even though they were up 
a good few points uh, got, got caught in that. So I don't think they're going to be caught again. Cracklow did well to get to the, the quarter or semi-final against them. Um, they they broke their hoodoo against Kilmurray Brick and finally um, they knocked them out for the very first time, which is a big achievement for Cracklow. But I just, I just feel that their um might be a step too far for for Cullum Collins' side. Um, they just, you know, they kind of have an ageing core and you need game changers against uh, Airog if you're going to overturn them. They have the strength and depth and if anything, they're getting stronger year on year. So I think Airog would be strong favourites to go through in that one. The other one is 50-50. Ben Breckens and, and uh, um, St. Joseph's Milltown um, will be, should be a great game on Saturday Saturday afternoon. Um, it's the method that couple of years and Breckens have actually come out on top of that and maybe you thought that Milltown after winning a couple of titles there in 18 and 19 were, were finished but there seemed to be a bit of a resurgence they were in the relegation last year and that brush has kind of steeled them for another big drive I think it's kind of like a last hurrah for uh, I think Owen Cleary's gone away for the year so this is a last hurrah for him uh, Connor's in the form of his life and you have the old stages like Gordon Kelly and Shawnee Malone. And Brian Curtin. These lads are still trucking away. Yeah, Brian Curtin is, is you know, as lively as ever. Um, so uh, they'll take stopping. And, and Brickens obviously has been there there both the last couple of years. It's their third quarter or semi-final in four years. They have a bit of a point to prove to get over the line. They haven't been in a final since 1996. So um, it's kind of, you would say, make or break, even though they're a side that they're all kind of young men that... You know, you keep missing those chances and suddenly uh, the years pass you by awful quickly. So I think it's a 50-50 game. I think if if you're to call me on it, I'd say maybe Milton slightly just because Owen Cleary coming back in the last time against Kildaisert is a real boost. To, he changed the game against Kildaisert. They might have lost that uh, quarterfinal. He changed it around and I think with him back and uh, leading the, the attack with Cormac Murray and Keenan Mahoney and all those kind of guys, I think. And Kier Malone back in a bit of form as well, I think. It might just have uh, an edge there. Yeah, they're back. They seem to be back to form, and uh, you know we've there's a local man out here, Michael McGrath, up here from uh, up here in Scariff, and he would be a Brickens man originally in, in his farmer days, and he's looking forward. He's hoping the Brickens are going to get to a county final again. But as you said, um, probably maybe a Milltown Airog final probably all just looks about right. Yeah, and uh, you know it's only going to change as much from from the initial prediction of Airog. I don't think it matters who kind of gets through. Brickens haven't done so well against Airog. Milltown have already been beaten by Airog, even though they were without a few on the day. I think it's Airog's championship to lose, really. And I think um, if they can avoid any bit of complacency that they had against Joe Barfield, I think they'll be eyeing up Munster more than they will yeah. be eyeing up Clare. To get three in a row would be a fabulous achievement for that team. Obviously, they could have nearly done the double last year uh, with a small bit of luck. So I suppose it just shows the power that's there in Airog at the moment and uh, I think they'll take some stopping. There's no doubt. And you were talking about the double and, and, and unfortunately for Airog's hopes this year, the double is gone again, you know, um, Airog coming out on, on, on the wrong end of the result uh, last weekend. You know, we're down to the, the semi-final stages on and your thoughts on the quarter-finals? Um, well, do you know what? I, I, I'm really, really encouraged and enthused by this year's championship because, you know, it was hard to predict at the start of the year because you were kind of looking at it saying, our belly is still the team to beat. Uh, they probably were when you looked at it from the outset and suddenly round one beaten by 12 points with Kilmele and you said to yourself, wow, uh, we could be in for anything here. Then the bridge went by the wayside and cracked all and then And suddenly there's more favourites going. I mean, your market would have been a strong favourite going into because of their experience and they still had that core there from 2012. They're gone and 
Eroge Robertine last year's final within a whisker of winning it, and uh, they're gone as well. So it's a fabulous championship because it's pure open and anyone can win it. And I don't think anyone will begrudge any of the four teams that are left in it. Uh, they've all had heartbreak in different circumstances over the years. So uh, it's anyone's championship now. Uh, you just have to put the head down, and if you can get on a small bit of a run from now on. So I think that from a neutral perspective, it's fantastic. Uh, it's really livened up the championship. It probably became a bit, little bit predictable between the bridge and Valier in the last couple of years. And we'd all spoken about how open the Clare Championship was. Well, it was between, let's say, 2007 and, uh, and 2000 and maybe 14 or 15. But after that, it, it was controlled there. So this is kind of breathe new life into the championship and I think it's fantastic. And it has really captured the imagination out here on and I, you know with, with both Fiekel and Scarif and Canlera not too far away crushing all over the road you know a lot of people out there hoping that Scarif and Fiekel might make, might make it to the county final and what, what, that, what an occasion that would be for, for East Clare. Absolutely it was a, like, even at the quarter finals um, at the weekend they were talking about 46 um, 1946 <laughs> final which <laughs> Um, uh, you know, is, is, is an infamous final in itself. So if that was to come to pass, oh sure, look, I mean, it would really, it would really lift the entire uh, region, wouldn't it? Um, it'd be a fantastic final and a, kind of a fitting into the to the entire year. Look, there's a great buzz there because because it's kind of new and it's fresh. And I think the likes of Scarif who have, have earned their crust at an intermediate level and and with a young team and obviously the under 21A champions at the moment are kind of proving themselves at senior level. Fecal. We've always known it had been a strong unit. Maybe didn't have the strength and depth, but certainly had a, a very strong uh, core, and they won a couple of under twenty ones as well. So I mean, uh, you have you have a, a good solid base there for for both those teams in there. And sure, Crusheen have all the experience as well. Um, and you know, I mean, you look at Clanlara, and they're rejuvenated, and it's a different Clanlara this year. You know, uh, they often spoke about them being a small bit disjointed down there. Uh, maybe not being able to put the pieces together, but I think that minor team that won a couple of years ago and unfortunately beat my own Magpies along the, in the final, um, that kind of team is, has brought uh, a small bit of gel. They're all got a very good friends in that little core group. And I think add in, obviously, that, that John Collins in the form of his life and obviously deservedly uh, got an All-Star nomination as well. Um, <laughs> Colum Galvin is still uh, still playing there and is playing a, a vital part in it, obviously Ian Galvin as well. I think there's something, a small bit of a spark there from Clanara that I think kind of puts them maybe slightly ahead of the pack, but it's, it's wide open, as I said. Oh, and just thinking there, while you were talking, um, the fact that John Conlon is absolutely staring for Clanara, particularly Mark Rogers, unbelievable for Scarif all through the championship, scoring highly. And then last weekend we had Aero really depending on getting Shane O'Donnell into the game and they couldn't manage it. Uh, Crusheen maybe in a different situation. Uh, do you think it's a little bit disappointed that the same guys are kind of the vital men for those teams? I know it's fantastic that you have new teams involved, as you said at the outset, but would, there be, would you think it would be nicer to have maybe one or two more or less breaking a breakthrough and putting their hands up for county hurling rather than just the stars we know kind of being dependent on so much? Yeah, but I suppose it's like they are the stars that they are. You know what I mean? They're leaders, uh, and you'd expect your county players to be the leaders in every team, and Firstly, some haven't been, which is which is more worrying for the likes of Brian Lawn yeah. uh, when he looks at his panel for next year. I think you, you'd be very encouraged by a lot of the young players that are around at the moment and, and trying to make their breakthrough, whether they've come on from 
from the minor of last year and, and obviously will will be coming on from this year's minor onto next year's championship as well in terms of the club. I think uh, I, I think there's a lot of good players around the moment. We saw that in Clooney Quinn. We're seeing that in Scarif. Very young teams that are making a breakthrough. Canlara the same way. Guys in their early 20s making a big impact. So John Conlon gets the headlines but there's a lot of work goes into uh, supplying him. Same thing yeah. with Mark Rogers. Like he's not he's not supplying the ball himself. He's a, he's a lethal finisher and he's he really is a superstar, but uh, but you know, I mean, he's he's not doing it all himself either. So, I think you know, I, I just think it's I, I think we're very fortunate to have the players that we do, and I think we should we should be in awe of of the likes of John Conlon and and Mark Rogers, and you know, it, 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 like it, teams depend on big players, and Clooney Quinn, you know, Peter Duggan didn't score at all from play, and, and Mark Rogers gets three five, and and same thing with Shane O'Donnell, just a point from him. And then you have the likes of John Conlon getting five vital points for his side. So small margins, but uh, if you can if you can use your marquee players to the to their maximum, uh, it just it'll get you over the line. And I and I think in a championship like this, you need those players to, for a bit of a guiding light. And on also, you know, we haven't really mentioned Crushin. And as a, a Crushin man said to me, uh, uh, Jordan, Jordan the week. <laughs> If the weather stays like this, we'll be very, very hard to beat. And you know, there's, there's no doubt about it. They're not going to go down easily either. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And look, they came at a point to prove, uh, and they certainly proved that point. Um, they were they were almost ridiculed, really, uh, by by getting into the quarterfinal with only one victory. And uh, uh, they had a victory in the boardroom, which was more important. Yeah, victory, uh, and uh, yeah, the likes of. Scarif were unbeaten. Fiekel had a, had a perfect record. The market had a perfect record. So they were going out there to prove because they, you know, the, the, the performance against Tanara wasn't wasn't up to scratch, uh, really. But you know, we we know the experience that they have. Uh, we know the kind of exciting players that they do possess as well. Uh, with the likes of Bresney Horner, Ross Hayes is a very very accomplished uh, player as well. And I and I really like Dear McMullins there on on uh, Sunday as well. I thought he he come back from injury. He's, He's filled out. He's a big man now, and I thought he was very, very influential in the entire game. And you, sure, you still have the likes of Jerry O'Grady, there, a former Clare captain as well. That uh, yeah, only one or two years the, ago, the, yeah, the donkey work. So <laughs> they have a lot of a lot of say. And, and look, they won't fear Scarif whatsoever going into that semi final either. That'll be a tough task for for um, for for Scarif to kind of negotiate because Corsheen are a big physical side, and I don't know. Scarif have met that kind of a team so far in in their uh, in their run to the semi final. Yeah, look, we look forward with with, with relish to those semi finals in in, in next, next weekend. So you know, as I said, the the intensity and the enthusiasm has really the interest has really built up over in East Clare, and we look forward to to those games coming ahead. On looking, uh, unfortunately for yourselves and 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 Wolf Tones, the tap door opened and and you're gone down. Your thoughts on that? I know you're a proud Mac by yourself. Is it maybe a case of getting a chance to rebuild on? You know, I know it has been coming in a while, but I suppose, it, you know, what way is the the mood in, in Macby country this week? Or is it just a realisation? Yeah, look, sure, it's very sober and, and sombre and the whole lot. Uh, as you said, it has probably been, the right has been on the wall a long time. Uh, it's, they're just not able to turn it around and they've got warning sign after warning sign and just... Just for whatever reason, haven't been able to to turn it around into a winning mentality. And I, I was just doing the research there before the weekend, and they had won three out of twenty five championship matches since they were in a, a semi final in twenty fourteen. Uh, from fifteen onwards, three wins in twenty five matches. It's a sovereign demoralizing if you're a player. Uh, 
no, that's just in the regular championship. No, that wasn't uh, the relegation stuff. They managed yeah. 25 games. You know, that's a tough, that's a tough task every year just to be able to hang on. And it's probably admirable that they were able to hang on as long as they were. Um, there is good young players coming through. Maybe the chance of going, taking a step back will, will kind of mold. Uh, those into a, a kind of a better unit to come back up. We saw it with uh, Kilmele and we saw it with Fiekel actually yeah. of uh, the, the bounce back. Uh, even Bearfield this year had benefited from <coughs> a, a tough group of senior level uh, after coming up from, from intermediate. Um, so I, I think you, you'll hope to think that they'll be able to bounce back sooner rather than later but there's no guarantee of that. Tuller will be able to tell you that. Um, they were down there a while. Joe Bearfield were down there a good while and I think it's kind of worrying really that three of the four that they have are coming from kind of bigger urban areas that you have the Verfields will Thrones obviously in Shannon and, and Clark Castle, which is kind of you know, a kind of a mushroomed in population in the last couple of years. In that you know, that's it's worrying that the kind of big urban centres are are not doing so well, uh which you know, I suppose we have to look into the reasons for it, but it kind of they maybe lost that kind of uh, a sense that Maybe the, the priority isn't hurling all the time. You know, that isn't the top priority. There's a lot of other things going on. And uh, maybe the focus has to be reissued and uh, kind of maybe the hunger um, maybe got a, a bit more again. But uh, for the moment, anyway, obviously, they're gone down. It's first time ever being relegated. Um, they were down intermediate in 1930, but they had dropped themselves down. So, um, and won it that, that following year. So, it is a very sovereign time. Uh, I think a lot of people have prepared themselves in Clarecastle at least. I wouldn't think in most towns they had. Um, but in Clarecastle, they've kind of prepared themselves. But it, even when it happens, I think it's a very, very sad and a very stark uh, realisation that uh, there is a lot of rebuilding work to do. And Owen, you know, you've partly answered the question already, uh, as I was thinking of asking you there. But if you were to pinpoint the, the main reason for Clarecastle over the period of years now, it's not just this one year, as you said. I mean, I remember having, you had a very, very good minor team there. They'd now be about 29, 30. I know Michael Casey and Garrod Ryan and those that have been going well in that minor team, I think getting to a final, if I'm not mistaken. And I know in recent years, good, minor, good enough minor teams. So it isn't about a lack of underage talent as such, or I presume the work has been going on. So why would a club like Clarecastle, who have numbers, be struggling? Is it just lack of interest or other attractions, or, or, or what is there, do you think? Well, to be honest, you mentioned that team, Pat, and, um, you know, they, they were in the final in 2012, beaten by a, a Conor Cleary line ball uh, yeah. on the day. In my bridge, there was a, a lot of extracurricular activities on the field that day as well. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but the following year, um, the following year uh, in Shannon, uh, they, they won the title against Kilmele again. There was a great rivalry between the two teams at the time. And so that was in 2013, so that's 10 years ago. So those players would be 28. There wasn't one of them playing senior this year for Clark Castle. I think Garrod Ryan is still playing, is he? No. Sorry? Is Garrod Ryan still playing quarterback? No? No, maybe not. Uh, he, wouldn't have been on, he wouldn't have been on that team. I think he was a year Oh, he be a year be over, right. so. oh fair enough, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's gone. He's gone away to Dubai. Uh, he was missing for the last couple of games there. So. Mm. Um, but there was none of that team playing senior, um, and they should be only 28. They should be at yeah. their peak now. Uh, so that in itself, I think, answers, nearly answers the question for you. There was probably only two or three of those playing junior A. So it's, they're not even playing. Um, uh, yeah, some of them have gone away. They might be in different parts of the country or in different parts of the world. But it, it is a very stark reality when you see that 
guys that should be at their peak um, are, are not playing. And that's yeah. always been the case. I think that's where the fall line has been. I think the, the, the establishment of Clarecastle over a long period in the 90s and 2000s was to have a really strong experience and kind of a manly core. Uh, do you know what I mean? That they're very, very hard to beat, very tough characters. Mm. And I think that has been missing, really. Patrick Kelly for, is about the best example that we have of it. He throws himself about. Um, but he's himself and Stephen O'Holloran alone, you take out those and I'd say there's nine, the team under 21, and they all have always been young in the last couple of years. I think it's just young players coming in every year, but we're missing that 24 to 30 mark yeah. players that have have proven to be uh, key to, to making his maybe thrive at senior level. There's no doubt that going down, you will get a chance to rebuild. And look at not as you said, you've, you've alluded to the point already. Intermediate won't be easy either, but at least the same no. pressure and often when they start out next, next next January or February again, whenever they start training, at least you know you're not facing into a year in a championship where you know you're looking as you sure the record speaks as well. Three out of twenty-five is just you know how the mentality of some of the yeah. some of the players had to be just demoralised. How they kept going was a credit to themselves. At least going in now this year, it is a clean state. It's and it's time for the club, I suppose, to row in behind them and and and, and rebuild as well. And hopefully that they'll get back sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think I think you have to look at it in the positive mindset, and that you know obviously it's, it's not a nice position to be in. No one would have liked that from the start of the year or any year in particular. And it's, you know, with, from all the great players that have passed through. And, the, um, you know, you have to move on now. And it's a different generation and a different demographic within the community as well. So yeah, you've got to roll with the punches. And I think building a new team now, there's plenty of young players coming through and exciting young players as well. So it's about kind of honing what you have in terms of the character that you saw there even on Sunday. I think, you know, they battled hard. Um, so I think they were un- they were unlucky. You know, they were unlucky. They were unlucky. Yeah, they were unlucky. I suppose they, they let the mill start off with a five point lead, which wasn't a great idea. But they a lot of wide, a lot of silly wide. I think by the time they started to believe, it was probably a little bit too late. Uh, I think there was a really good, really strong turning point in the game that they had it down to two points, and King Gasman won a puck out, and he was racing through, and he was he was pulled for over carrying yeah. and. Uh, the Mills went down and scored the point, and I think that was that was that was that was that was the, that was the relegation. That was the turnover, yeah, without doubt. And Wolf, on, looking look, at looking at they, obviously yourself, but looking at Wolf Tones, then you know they're in a much more precarious position than their Castle because they don't seem to be featuring at underage. You know, so there's a lot of soul searching going to have to go down there also. There is because the worrying part of it is they're playing C at most levels, mm. and like look, that's not that's not an indication always of of quality, but uh, but most of the clubs that are. Either in C or, you know, maybe it's, it's numbers that they have a struggling with. It, well, Tones, you know, it's unfortunate that they are where they are, but, you know, the prospects aren't as good there. And I think from talking to people in Dora Bearfield, I think they have, they have a lot of players come back from injury and they've also a lot of players. I mean, they're in the minor final again. So yeah. it's probably in the long term a, 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 a welcome result for for the pure barefield in that they probably long term have a better chance of staying at senior level and thriving at senior level than was going to for all the players that they have on paper and intercounty players that they have haven't haven't shown it at all this year. Uh, I thought I really thought to be a kick in them when it comes down to a relegation dogfight. I thought a little bit of experience would come to the fore, but if anything, they were. They were just as poor as they had been against uh, Clooney Quinn and uh, Newmarket. And uh, or, or I should say Cracklow. 
and there was showed a bit of fight against your market at least, but there wasn't that on Sunday, uh, Saturday, and that's the real worrying part for Wolf Tones in that um, it's hard to put your finger on how it's all gone so wrong. Everyone talks about their uh, their team on paper, but unfortunately, in reality, it, it hasn't come to fruition mm-hmm. at all. And uh, it's worrying times in, in Shannon because they've been in this position before and they got out of it. But I don't see the same level of optimism this time around. No, and even speaking to people around the world, tones, uh, around Shannon, and that it, it, it's definitely a, a doom and gloom scenario down there. On a quick word on the Intermediate Championship, um, you know, we're down to the final four during the week there, Rowan. Uh, came over, uh, got over Medic Party and they're facing their, their amalgamation uh, co-partners in, in Corrafin again and Corrafin beat them already in the championship and Tullapain, uh, Smith O'Brien's second team or not Smith O'Brien but Six Mile Bridge uh, second team and I suppose maybe looking at the other clubs it doesn't look great maybe for when the second team is even though the bridge are strong to get to the semi-final of the championship but again it's looking very much like maybe a Tullapain final would that be fair? I think it would be, and obviously, Rowan and Fixer think they'll have a lot to say about that. And this is a derby factor, and Rowan beat Corfin uh, the last time they played two years ago in the quarterfinals. So that's not beyond the pounds of possibility, uh, particularly with the players that they have and the chain punches and the, the Robin Mounties and, and Aiden Lynch and those players have plenty of firepower as well. But yeah, look, Corfin have been uh, probably the favourites from the outset. If they have a full team, they've, they've really been kind of decimated parts through injury obviously they're in a little bit of danger in the football as well so uh, we'll see what how that goes tomorrow uh, in, in that relegation game uh, against Candigad which is a, a huge one but once they have that one out whether they win it or lose it they'll have it out of the way uh, regardless um, this weekend so it's about that full focus on on the semi-final and I, I do think that with a, a reasonably full team that they, they, they have the strongest <clears> squad in it. Now, Tola have come after a very stuttering start, have, have, have uh, built up a lot of momentum and there was a really emphatic victory there on Sunday. Um, it was over within the first 10 minutes, which was surprising because if everyone was looking at that double header, you were thinking you'd have two good battles on your hand and and that uh, Torpy Hurley's and Sean Torpy would be would be uh, very busy um, making new Hurley's, but it didn't turn out to that. It turned out to be very bloodless in that quarter final. And uh, I think Tulla will take great heart and great um, momentum out of that uh, out of that uh, quarter final victory. And if they can avoid any bit of complacency, I think uh, they should be able to take the bridge again. Um, I did. I didn't think the bridge were going as well as they had been in previous years. But uh, they, they just showed that they have a little bit of resilience themselves and uh, they're well able to pull off a, a surprise when, when needed. So they'll cause Tulla problems, but I think I think Tulla had the bit between their teeth at the moment. And after last year, what happened in the, in the final and mm. extra time and all that, I think uh, there's a little bit of determination. I think it'll be a cracking final if it was to come to pass that, that Tulla and Corfin will get through. Uh, but there's a little bit of hurling to go before that's uh, a realisation there's no doubt about that and we look forward to those games with relish either on also during the week we had the, the All-Star hurling nominations announced and uh, Claire came out with nine also we have the two nominations for the Young Player of the Year which you would imagine would be coming coming uh, to the Banner County and your thoughts on the nine did you expect nine or did you expect more? I, did, I didn't expect nine uh, I'll be honest um, just with, I suppose the the disappointing manner of the way we went out and the manner of defeat, I, I, I didn't think, I didn't think we'd get more than Kilkenny. I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, Kilkenny only got eight, and they won a provincial title, and and uh, 
and got to an All Ireland. Whereas we didn't win a provincial, and we didn't, and we kind of disappointed again in the semi-final. So I wasn't possibly expecting nine, but I, I'm I'm obviously uh, thrilled to to see that we got nine, and especially for the likes of the younger players. And I know Mark and, and Adam are up for the young player as well, but I think. To get an All-Star nomination in your first full year, you know, Adam, obviously, with, with the under-20, uh, you know, it was very unfortunate that he wasn't allowed to uh, play that as well, you know, being the captain and all that. It was just a, a, a real bad setback for him. But I think he's shown throughout a, a, a solid debut season that uh, he's a real one for the future. And Mark, obviously, has been in the squad the last couple of years, but this was the first time that he started games. And uh, he, it just showed that the patience that Brian Lohan had, like it would have been easy to throw him in a couple of years ago, but they held back and they used him in the kind of a cameo role. And now he's he's the full package. And uh, by God, did he show it? I think he got did he get four twenty seven in the yeah. in the championship. Uh, you know, a phenomenal uh, return. Uh, we saw it in the very first game against Tipperary, mm. and uh, he's just a special talent. So it, great to see that those young players in particular were getting nominations along with. You know, well-deserved ones for for a lot of the other players that were there. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And and congratulations to all the nine and the very best look in in the Arsters. Obviously, we're going to throw the question out to both Pat and yourself, phone. And as I said, I left you a message yesterday to maybe to maybe pick your Arsenal team and you, yourself and Pat can go through it. And Pat, we start with you. Who did you name in the goals, Pat? Uh, Owen Murphy, I think. Uh, I'd love to nominate Aver, but I think Owen Murphy is even for that save low for Peter Dugan, but. That it's not just because of that his consistency in the in the Kilkenny team that probably hasn't as mean a defence as he used to have in the good old days with Cody there at that time. So he has more to do, and I think he's outstanding. On how did you go for the goals? Yeah, I probably thought that Nicky Craig was a probably more consistent goalie, but definitely that save will be the one remembered. And I think, I think you know, it's often these all-star teams uh, tend to be a little bit strategic. <clears throat> in that they'll try and, and they'll try and fit in a couple of Kilkenny players because mm. they got to an All Ireland final and not just because. So I think they'll struggle in a lot of areas to fit in Kilkenny players. So I do think that Owen Murphy will will nick it, just simply because that save is the one that everyone remembers from the championship. A bit like Nicky Quaid a couple of years ago against uh, against Cork. Uh, against Harnady, yeah. um with that save. I think it was the iconic save of the championship. And I think for that reason, I'd agree with Pat that Owen Murphy will probably get it. Turning to the full-back, I know, we'll, we'll, uh, since you were such a prolific full-back in your own day, we'll st- we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> you know, um, your thoughts on who and, and the full-back line? Um, I, I would have to say that all year, Hugh Lawler, for me, has been uh, was outstanding. Um, I, I just really, really cool customer, very hard to... Roughly the feathers, um, and I and I tell Dan Morrissey as well. I, I really thought to those two in particular. Um, I struggled for the other uh, cornerback because there's a couple of candidates there that you could go for, including our own uh, lads. But I'd probably just say, and the way things are going, and again, I'm probably thinking more strategic than I am openly. But I probably think that Barry Nash will probably be the other one, uh, in my opinion. I'm not sure how past. Yeah, yeah Pat, you, now, you, you give you there are the three I have written down in front of me. Uh, oh, and great minds think alike. Oh, okay. I think I think Hugh Lawler was an automatic. Uh, I think Dan, I think Dan Morrissey and Barry Nash, if they were in a different era, they'd be sung about more because Limerick has so many good players kind yeah. of dominating the game. I mean, these two lads 
never let him down and I think this year they were both that, I don't think Mikey Butler to my mind doesn't even figure in the speech this, in, in the talk this year a lot of people think he, he should but I don't think he should uh, for, in terms of his overall game uh, this year but uh, those three I'd certainly, we're, we're on the same hinge sheet there and so let's hope we can have a fight over so no, Pat, Pat you often were, uh, played out in the halfback and was at Owen I don't think Owen ever made it out to the halfback so we'll give you the, 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 the <laughs> under 21 the easier one yeah. for whatever reason <laughs> maybe, was, maybe, maybe they were trying to get me to avoid Mark Flaherty. I don't know. <laughs> right, Pat, off you go. Uh, well, very simply, I have John Collins in Trebek. I have Dermot Burns and Kyle Hayes. I think there's no doubt at all about the two wing backs, in my opinion. John Conlon might be might be questioned by some people. I don't know if there's anybody here at the table with me questioning it, but uh, uh, I just think... Look at it. Maybe I'm coloured now by his performances for Clonell and the club as well. That this man is just an unbelievable hurler. And you see, Declan Hannan isn't really in the picture because of his injury in the final. I don't think Kilkenny's centre back is, is a dominant man. And after that, then, I don't know, you'll say Dahi Bork um, didn't have a savage year. So look at I can go for John Conlon and Kyle Hayes and Dimmer Burns. Oh, and your thoughts? Well, the. The uh, Kilinana Clarecastle access is working well so far. I've got three names as well. That's good. Uh, for definite, Burns and, and Kyle Hayes. Um, and obviously, Kyle Hayes played a bit in the centre. But uh, I thought John Conlon, you know, that if, if any man, if any year that he deserved it, uh, and obviously he won one in 2018 at the other side of the field. But, you know, for for the amount of uh, work that he puts in and the sweeping role that he has and his ability to use his physicality around the back line, I think uh, he's been a phenomenal uh, a phenomenal find, let's say, at centre-back. Uh, we struggled in that position for so long, but he's really, really natural to it. And then he just shows with Clandera what he can still do up front. So, Joe, just just a complete package. And I think he, if any man deserves I think John Conlon does. So and uh, and, a, and that and a number uh, one for us. Yeah, and on a subplot one, where's John Conlon going to feature for Clare in, in 2024? Will, will Brian Lohan mm. be tempted to put him up into the forwards or will he leave him at the heart of the defence? Well, I think we've struggled. You know, we've struggled to even find new backs. Adam Hogan aside, uh, we've struggled to, to to fill positions there and, and to provide cover for the back line. So I don't think it's, I don't think much changes in yeah. uh, in, in 2024 from the outset anyway. Not necessarily going to get a bolter, but I think even as they tried out, you know, haven't really uh, put their hand up to say that there's someone new coming through. So yeah. I think out of necessity, I think you have to. I think he has to go with the tried and trusted and he's really made that position he's on. If he's hopefully he's willing to go another year and I think, you know, he's such a such a leader in that and I think we'll need him if we are to are to challenge again. So I, I don't think you can move him from six yep. just yet because I don't see any no, anyone I even that, close yeah. to coming into it. Yeah. And me, look, me, me, great to have the luxury of him in the forward line, but, oh, yeah. he'd make but some we're, difference. Not, we're not as you know, you, you see the likes of Mark coming through this year and obviously Shane Meehan is making those cameos and uh, we'd hope to think that we have another couple of forwards uh, to add into that. But in, in terms of backs, we're not that blessed at the moment. So I, I think uh, he, he'll be probably be sitting at six for another while. Pat, you can start off with the middle of the field. You were off and out around there. Uh, chasing yourself there once or twice. Oh, uh, too often. I was out there. Not, too, not too often, but once or twice. Uh, when I look at simply, I win for O'Donovan and O'Donovan. I think I, you could search hard and look consistency, um, physicality, uh, just effectiveness. I mean, they're not winning these All Irelands for nothing. 
and it's, it's isn't all down to Keane Lynch and, and Elton Gillane. There's other lads doing work, and I, I, I just gone for those two. Uh, I, I know we could name possibly David Charlie doesn't play there could be in the running but uh, Malone, Malone as well Malone absolutely one of the unlucky lads but I got for Donovan and I don't know Owen yeah look and, uh, Dave Fitzgerald probably you know you could um, put in the, the case for him like uh, maybe didn't start the year so prominently but certainly he was one of the leaders there when we when we needed him most and he got 14 points again in the championship so I think he'd be, he'd be putting his hands up definitely for uh, for that as well. Uh, outside of that, I think you know I, I have I have William O'Donoghue and, and Dara Donovan as well. Now I I went for that pairing. Uh, maybe it's because of the tried and trusted, but I just think that they they have been the outstanding pair in it. It's very hard to break them up, and uh, I, I I just think that they're, they're they'll probably get it again. We'll have to get her out somewhere. Leo. I tell you one thing, uh, and Cahal <laughs> Menyon, I uh, mean, it could be unlucky, but he might yeah. fit him in the forward. Go to the half final and we'll give it to you on to start off. Um, yeah, look, it was a tough, a tough one, really, because uh, it's kind of uh, you're 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 dabbling with your own now at this stage. Uh, I think Shane O'Donnell, like, you know, he He's just a continues to impress. Um, so I have him at half forward or uh, wing forward. I just think he had a phenomenal year again, and I know he won an All-Star last year, but I just think he's so different than any other player that has ever worn that Clare jersey. He's so intelligent. He It's like a ball, it's like a magnet him in many ways, and I just hope for Clare's sake that he's going to make himself available for next year's championship. Um, there was a lot of rumours that maybe he won't, but uh, I'd love to think that he'd be wrong because I just think he makes the Clare forward line tick, so... I have him in uh, half hours. Uh, I kind of went for TJ Reid, uh, just uh, from consistency again. I just I think it's strategically oh, no. again. I don't think Kenny are going to get too many, so I don't know uh, for that one. Um, and Tom Morrissey, I had that's the three I had really. Pet, he's right. He's right in two, but he's totally wrong with TJ. I've, I, I actually have gone for Tony Kelly centre forward. I think, I think we said in discussion earlier, it, it might not have been with you, Owen. I'm not sure who was on the phone. Was that John Tony Kelly is a victim of his own brilliance each, each day, his own kind of thing. And if he doesn't get seven spectacular points or six or five or whatever, I thought he had a decent game against Kenny the last day and over the year. Uh, I, I just think he deserves a, an all-star, and I think myself he'd be slightly ahead of TJ Reid in, in overall play, or not freezing a bit. So, Shane O'Donnell and Tom Morrissey definitely agree with you on those two wing forwards, yeah. Pat, you go with, go with the full forward line and I this presume this, is, this, is gonna, this one is kind of cut and dried. Yeah, I think it's Owen Cody, Aaron Gillan and Conor Whelan. Uh, I can't really make the case for anybody else and say, Donald Burke of Dublin, uh, we mentioned off here before, if he was with the right team and if they had, uh, he wasn't injured against Clare, who knows what would have happened. He might have had a storm game that day, but... Uh, and Cahill Menin is one more, I think. And the three unlucky ones are Cahill Malone, uh, Cahill Menin, and maybe Donald Burke uh, overall. Am I unlucky not to make it? Owen, your thoughts on that full forward line? Yeah, I'd be going the same. Um, and obviously, I've been thinking a little bit more strategically there, but I, I think Kenny, Kenny with three uh, is rough to be around right. I think clear, it, it, it'll hinge on that one between Tony Kelly and TJ Reid. Obviously, yeah. it loves to see Kelly getting four in a row. He's definitely deserved <coughs> but I'm just thinking strategically what what they they tend to do is oh, of course. maybe yeah. give more final to the finalists than the semi finalists. I think oh, that's probably why they put two 
Chris Clareman and the young player as well. It all boils down to what question Leo asked you. Did he ask you for your team of the year <laughs> or the likely all-star team? <laughs> I've gone for my team of the year anyway. I think that's yeah, what he asked I, me for. I, I, think. I, I, I agree with your teams. <coughs> bear one. I, I, I think Tony Kelly might lose out and I think the man in the, the AIG jersey from Dublin, I think he's going to get one, Donald Burke. There was a lot of um, okay. talk about him during the championship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just going by the, the the talk, the narrative that was going on earlier on, I think he may, he may even though he was injured in Clare, against Clare inside the Gagler, I think he may he may very well get one. Yeah, look, it was very interesting. Look, it would show, it would show a bit of innovation, at least because, you know, it has been really, you know, if you get to a final, you you you. It, well, they say it's for the entire championship. It, it, it really is just who gets the semi-finals yeah. and, and finals. Really, unless unless someone had a, a, an unbelievable uh, provincial campaign or something like that. So it would be nice to see someone outside of the, yeah. the pack, let's say, uh, getting. Uh, getting in there. Uh, but hopefully not as a clear as players. I know that's that's uh, the problem. It looks like it could very well be. On a quick word, uh, the, the young player of the year. It will be a clear winner. We're not going to say which. Although I suppose out this way. We're delighted that both Adam Hogan and Mark Rogers are nominated. Um, would you have a prefer- preference for either one, or you, you obviously you you go, you take either? Oh no, absolutely. I, I I obviously think that that Mark Rogers, just in terms of influence and all that, I I do think that you know he had a phenomenal year considering it was he was considering he was starting a championship game for the first time against Tipperary to score two goals that very first day, and I think he's only grown in confidence during the year, and I think he's brought that on. Gareth, uh, obviously Adam Hogan is, is going to be a phenomenal player. We could see that from from very young age and uh, obviously to, to, to Harty Cup and all that, uh, he was going to be a superstar. He's again a little bit and of he a hasn't disappointed. Than, we've ever, than we've had in a long time in that he's a, he's a man marker. He's, uh, he's a guy that's very, very, very hard to beat and uh, he's, he's going to be He's going to be a, a, a regular in the Clare team for a long time. Look, I, any of them would do. I, I just think maybe Rogers, uh, because of uh, the amount he scored and four twenty seven, I think is a huge amount, and, and the contribution he's made, I think, uh, might just edge it. Uh, look at him. We can Adam Hogan is still young enough to get it next year, and we'll we'll, we'll make him outstanding yeah. favourite at this stage for twenty twenty four. On. As always, the, good to talk to you here on Scarif Bay Cunes Radio. The clock has got up on us. Thanks for your views and expert analysis and your, your all-star team. And look, we look forward to talking to you very much again in the near future. Thanks, lads. And of course, we can't let this, this programme go this week, I suppose, without mentioning uh, the, the sad and, and tragic death of uh, Sarah Meskel from Aina Kilnamona, young girl of 14 years. And we just send our deepest and heartfelt sympathy to her father and her mother, and of course, uh, deeply involved in, in, in GA up there in 90 Kilimona. So uh, just a, a massive loss, a uh, tragedy for a beautiful young girl. And uh, this is it. our deepest sympathy to both the Miskill and Power families, all friends, school friends, colleagues, pl- playmates, etc., our teammates on the team. So uh, a horrible tragedy, and we just, uh, you know, have to note it. And uh, let's, hope this, let's hope the family can cope as time goes on. And may Sarah Miskill rest in peace. And that concludes our sports on show here today on Scarif Bay Community Radio on 88.3 FM and 92.7 FM in association with Derek Credit Union. My thanks, as always, to Cobra Centre Pat McNamara. Thanks to our guest, journalist Owen Brennan. Thanks to Jim Collins on the Control Tower. And thanks very much to you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the programme. And all, all that remains is for me, the Odile. Until we meet again, it's Bannock Day, August Sloan.